Hello and welcome to the Open Talent Report. This is the podcast where we discuss the emerging trends in labor law, employment law, independent work, and the gig economy, which many organizations are wrestling with due to the growth of the open talent and gig economy. I'm your host, Connor Heaney. When I'm not presenting the podcast, I'm, I'm the MD at CXC Global, EMEA, which compliantly connects talent and opportunity. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast, where I'm delighted to welcome Jimmy Brahma, who is the founder and director at GoodTalent.io. I've been really excited to get Jimmy on the on the podcast because I've been speaking, um, as most of our audience know, about Africa as a talent pool for some time. And I think it's a really interesting topic for discussion, debate, but also an opportunity to, to solve some of the labor market problems that many of the major Western economies are experiencing. So, Jimmy, a very warm welcome to the show. How are you doing? How are you doing, my friend? Thank you very much, Connor. I'm really excited uh, to be here. Uh, I'm really excited uh, about this uh, platform and to tell our story uh, as well. Good. Well, that's what I'd like to hear, Jimmy. So, Jimmy, I say warm welcome to the show. Delighted to have you on. Um, Jimmy, j- just for our audience's benefit, what what is the Jimmy Jimmy Brahma story? Uh, what is your career history? How did you get into being a technology entrepreneur? What what was your journey, and would you care to care to share that with our audience? Yes, fantastic, Connor. Um, so I'm a recruiter. So I'm originally from uh, Nigeria. Uh, I moved to the UK back in 2003 and I worked in uh, traditional recruitment companies. Uh, I did my MBA at a Scottish Red Brick University, University of Aberdeen. And um, in 2012, moved back to Nigeria, you know, started a company called Irecruiter Africa, which is uh, your traditional recruitment agency, professional recruitment across uh, generalists. And, and the company uh, was focused purely uh, on the African uh, uh, recruitment scene. And um, the company grew. Uh, we did well, and we're still doing well. The company is still active in trading. And in 2020, just at the start of the pandemic, uh, we uh, noticed that our, um, uh, our technology recruitment desk was getting really, really busy. And uh, I thought maybe we should set up another recruitment company uh, out of this uh, 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 existing company, but we wanted to do it right. So we did market research in Africa and uh, our existing clients and uh, HR managers, we spoke to over 500 people and people, I, I think that period was a revolution in the talent space because of the pandemic. And a lot of people were not just interested in another traditional recruitment company and the feedback we got people. And it's, 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 it was consistent. It was about finding talent, finding talent uh, 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 and paying less. So cost effective using uh, maybe a platform, you know, to source talent, you know, so source vetted talent. You know, people were just angry at, you know, hiring developers who were underperforming. You know, people wanted a way where, you know, they could hire developers and uh, to to be sure to an extent, you know, that these developers at least will make it past their first, second stages uh, as well. And to hire them faster, you know, across borders as well. So that, that was the birth of Good Talent. And uh, we then beat an MVP. And uh, within three weeks, 
we had 500 signups from software engineers. And we thought, interesting, we could be onto something here. So, yeah. And uh, we ran that fast forward uh, to two years later. Uh, we launched uh, Gutalendo.io in June of this year. And, uh, yeah, we, 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 we've not looked back since then. Companies like what we're doing and uh, software engineers love what we're doing as well. So that's just to give you a snapshot. Well, hey, wonder, wonderful, Jimmy. And, Jimmy, if we may, I'd love to, to maybe unpack what the good talent.io platform does in, in more specific detail because yes. of course I've seen it. I've, I know it. I really love the, the, the idea, the platform and how it's working, but just for our audience. So if our audience is a HR buyer, yeah. HR director, talent acquisition, procurement, and they're, they're sitting in their organization today going, Oh my God, I'm getting slammed by the business. We need developers here, there and everywhere. We can't yeah. get them into our bloody market. Uh, yeah. we can't find them. How does good, how does good talent work? Um, goodtalent.io work and, and how can it solve some of those potential issues or problems? Jim? Okay. Fantastic. So I'll give you a high level, then I'll go deeper. So our vision is to democratize access to vetted software engineers. That's, that's what we're trying to do because we believe, uh, uh, talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. So let me give you a high level about what we're trying to do. We know how, uh, uh, companies, uh, presumably smaller SMEs and C-stage technology companies are losing the war for quality vetted engineers when compared to the Microsoft, the Apples of this world. And our focus is for C-stage startup CTOs, CEOs, and COOs. And what Good Talent does, uh, Good Talent is a talent marketplace that provides access to vetted African software engineers. Unlike our competitors who are very expensive, we want to reduce the cost per hire and time to fill by up to 70%. And without good talents and what we bring, the expected future is a world where only the very large technology companies will have monopoly on the best engineers. With good talent, the alternative future is democratizing access to vetted software engineers from overlooked uh, 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 continent like Africa. Now, what's the use case here? Uh, let me start with the problem that we're trying to solve. The cost per hire. Currently, it costs an average of uh, $25,000 globally to hire, and these are recruitment fees, to hire a quality uh, vetted engineer. Another problem we're solving is the, uh, uh, the difficulty in validating the skills. And we've seen that repeatedly. Uh, uh, talent managers or talent acquisition specialists would pay for an applicant tracking system. They would also pay for an external... A uh, 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 vetting platform. Typically, they're really, really expensive, you know. But what we're doing, uh, uh, or the problem is, we are trying to uh, bring. Uh, there's no easy plug and play for these companies to vet uh, software engineers while still in the application process. Another problem we're solving is time to fill. Currently, it takes about fifty-six days. Now, for an SME who's trying to build. Uh, an MVP, that is too long because they need to build something to show potential investors, especially at pre-seed stage. And we've seen a fragmented market. We want to bring, should I say, should I dare to say order to that fragmented market. So these are the four key areas that are, are, are problems that we're solving. And uh, what we, uh, 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 how do you use good talent? Why, why would a talent manager come to good talent? 
or what's the use case? So a company will come to our platform, and what's unique about us is uh, a company can decide what they pay for recruitment, and that's where we are very different, you know, from the traditional recruitment companies or any other type of marketplace. Uh, a company says, hey, obviously within certain parameters, uh, we use a bounty system. So company says, I want to stake a bounty. I am looking for a senior Java engineer. I will stake this amount of bounty. And our bounty hunters, which are every talent on our platform, would jump on that. We believe, no pun intended, good talents, no good talents. So a quality software engineer on our platform is most likely to know another quality software engineer. So these are the bounty hunters who refer talent for uh, 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 the ecosystem, you know, for companies who uh, place a bounty on our platform. And a company, when they're placing that bounty, they, 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 there's some very interesting features. We've, in the last two years, we've built, uh, we've taken our time to build a library of over 10,000 coding quizzes across various languages. And a company on our platform can choose, and this is free actually, you know, on our platform, rather than you paying, as long as you're staking a bounty, it's free for you. You choose from our library of questions, you choose a skill, and what then happens, you choose whether you want to batch a coding quiz to that skill. So let's say you're hiring a senior Java, uh, JavaScript engineer with a bias for backend, uh, and that backend is Node.js. So what would typically happen is you will choose JavaScript and Node.js as a skill on our platform. Then you can also progress further to add an assessment to those skills. So like batching from our library. So what then happens is you can also say, I want Node.js to be mandatory and I want JavaScript not to be mandatory. Or you can make both of them mandatory. It's entirely up to you. But it gets really interesting if you make it mandatory. And what then happens is uh, uh, you, you publish your role and uh, a, a, a talent would typically... When they click the apply button, when they see that row and they click the apply button, they are told that this application process will take however long, taking into consideration the time for the both coding quizzes. Now, if they take the first mandatory coding quiz, which is a Node.js test, and they fail, the application process ends there. So for companies, we don't want to waste anybody's time because we recognize time is not a friend to C-stage companies. And so what, what then happens is you will not see the profiles of the people who have failed. Only the people who have passed have gone through that quality assurance of the mandatory test. That's what you will see. And you can then choose to interview them. And you can be sure to an extent that these people meet your minimum uh, requirement. You can choose to further test them if you so uh, so choose. Another interesting thing for talent managers as well, uh, since we are in a global world now, you want to have a feel of a candidate before you meet them and interview. So you can also choose from our platform during that job posting stage to request a video interview, pre-recorded video interview. And the interesting thing is we have generic questions, but you can edit those generic questions and put your own questions that, is, uh, uh, that applies to your business. And what will typically happen is a candidate would answer, would, would set up a, a, a video a recording during the application process, answer those questions, apply to your role, 
and in their application on their profile. So we don't we don't deal in CVs, we deal in profiles. So a company can see a, a full overview of a candidate, including pre-recorded video interviews, their test scores, and 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 all of that. I think that that's uh, in a nutshell. Uh, that's how it works. Uh, that's that's a use case for a a a a recruiter or a talent manager. But another interesting thing is, if you choose not to place a bounty, you can actually uh, you cannot post a role without placing a bounty. But the interesting thing is, you can also subscribe to the platform at a more lower rate. And what then happens is, you can search the platform. You can search with skills. You can search with our platform will recommend candidates to you based on your search. And it's based on, so in terms of the funnel, the most relevant results uh, show first. And what I mean by relevant results is candidates who have been vetted for those skills that you're searching for, they will show first. Then candidates who have those skills but are not yet vetted will show uh, at the bottom. And for a talent manager, we thought about a lot of these things, to be honest. For a talent manager, you can choose to message that candidate straight away on our platform. You know, we have an instant messaging system. You can just click on the candidate profile message. You can view the profile message and you can, you can start a chat, basically. And we've seen companies hire just doing that, you know, back and forth chat and send offer letters, you know, through that as well. And it's, it's really, really interesting. And, uh, companies are, really really uh adopting uh what we're trying to uh, uh do here yeah it's it, it sounds like a phenomenal platform jimmy and i think it touches a lot of a lot of pre- it addresses a lot of the challenge and issues that are out there in relation to talent talent management talent acquisition the labor shortage which i want to come on yeah. to in a second but um i know the platform is currently designed to support you know, early stage companies that are growing like hell, Jimmy. But yeah. it strikes me that there's probably a really excellent use case for for larger enterprises to work with you, right, um, and work with your platform, principally because they're experiencing the same problems, right? They can't get the bloody people they need. Absolutely. And they can't get the people they need in their home markets. And, of course, they're looking to, you know, places like India, places like Poland, yeah. Slovakia, Slovenia, to access talent there, but also to access talent in a cheaper way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And take advantage of labor um, yeah. arbitrage opportunities. But I suppose my question is, re- is really this, Jimmy. Do you see your commercial model changing and your, your business model changing to address um, the large enterprise segment as well? Or is your focus really going to be on um, that sort of early early stage companies that are growing? Yeah, Connor, that's a really, really good question. Um, I'm happy you asked that question. The honest truth is, yes, our, our, our initial focus is for C-stage companies, but we are being approached by larger companies now, you know, who recognize what we're doing, especially from the, the Silicon Valley Bay, San, San Francisco Bay area. And um, they, they, they are approaching us to say, hey, can you help us with this? We know that this is your area of focus, but can you help us with this? And yes, we do. We, we are working with a, 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 a Series D company right now, you know, in the healthcare area, uh, uh, health uh, marketplace in Silicon Valley. And they have approached us to uh, 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 find people for their engineering leadership. You know, the VP engineering, senior director of engineering and director of engineering. So, yeah, it's, it's, we're not going to say no to money. 
at the end <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> you know. But yeah, we are starting to see uh, 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 the more the heavily funded companies approach us as well. But while we are telling our story, uh, uh, as much as we can, we also really want to support C stage companies. But when the big companies come to us, we say absolutely yes because the big companies, the way we see it, is a is a is a very interesting relationship because the big companies we also tell the little companies as well, you know, that they have successfully hired with us. And another thing again to touch on that, even though uh, we're talking about C-stage companies and talking about big companies, the VCs are approaching us as well. And that's a very core market for us and a very unique market because sign with one VC, sign with 10, 15, 20 companies at the same time. So because these VCs recognize that their portfolio companies are also struggling with talents. So the VCs come to us and say, hey, we have these. Can we sign a fixed rate for all our portfolio companies? Can we sign a fixed bounty for all our portfolio companies? We want to pay X and X amount of US dollars for all our portfolio companies, regardless of the world. We are currently in a, in a conversation like that uh, uh, right now. And it's, it's, it will be interesting to see how that how that goes. If this this is our should I say litmus test for the VCs, and if this goes well, then it just opens a huge market for us. Wow! And I, I think Jimmy, if if I was to put myself in the, the the large enterprise company space, if you think about some of their agendas around diversity, corporate social responsibility, yes, working with a platform such as yours would 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 help them tick those boxes, but address some real challenge, real, real difficulty, and also make their business potentially more representative. And um, that the, the people in their businesses, I suppose, aren't like me, right? Which is basically a white yeah. bloke um, that grew up speaking English natively, right? So yeah. um, that, that probably um, would address some of those significant challenges that big organizations face Absolutely. around. Absolutely. Making sure that they're more diverse and for sure. So, Jimmy, I want to, I want to touch on something. We, we've talked about this a lot on the show. It's not to be boring. It's incredibly interesting and relevant because <laughs> the problem hasn't went away and it's, it's been described as, as the labor market paradox. So really, uh, during the uh, early stages of the pandemic, essentially there was never more people displaced from the work the workplace uh-huh. in, in, in all of modern history, right? I think there was about 400 odd million people displaced uh-huh. from work. And what we've found during the course of the pandemic and since the pandemic is that we've got this huge labor shortage. It's huge um, mismatch between jobs that need to be done and people willing to do them or people with the skills uh-huh. to do them. And part of that is demographic. If you look at the major Western markets, right, there's less people <laughs> being born. Therefore, there's less people going to university. Therefore, there's less people yes. going into the job market. But those markets are still hiring like crazy, but they've got less uh-huh. people to do them. So you've got this demographic challenge. Unfortunately, with COVID, you got a lot of people that died, right, or are displaced from work because of long COVID or Mm. related illnesses. You've got universities that aren't churning out the amount of people required to do the jobs. (laughs) You've got too many people going to university that don't have the skills to pay the bills, if you like. Um, So you've got all these different factors that are impacting labor skills availability, labor shortage. And it strikes me that, that Africa is really has been the great unknown, but has a great opportunity to solve 
for some of those problems, Jimmy. If you look at it, even in the context of Nigeria alone, right? Mm. So according to the, some of the st- statistics published um, on the European Union website, the population of Nigeria by 2050 is forecast to exceed that of, of the whole European landmass, including Ireland, UK, and all the, all the other, all the other, um, countries on the continent. So we're talking about a population size of about 400 million people, right? So I guess there's, there's two issues with that. One, there's a declining population in the Western markets, right? But they don't want net immigration because they don't want to pay for people to come in, but they need the talent. So it strikes me that. This remote talent model that your platform has, Jimmy, has the potential to solve a lot of problems because yeah. you're in a high growth, high demo, high, high growth um, country from a de- demographic perspective. Yeah. There's loads of young, highly educated people coming in and Africa, including Nigeria, Rwanda, Kenya, South Africa and many other countries has a great university system that's churning out software engineers and my view is that not enough people in the global buying community or the global uh, Western markets know this. So I suppose my question is, do you agree with what, what, what is a rather long premise or thesis that I'm outlining? And what's your thoughts on this whole topic, Jimmy? Um, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think uh, the European... Okay, I'm going to divide this into two. I'm going to look at Europe, UK and Europe. I'm also going to look at uh, uh, North America. Now, UK and Europe has not really opened up to hiring remote uh, 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 talent from Africa. And I think this is as a result of the EU. And I think uh, uh, um, uh, the UK, for instance, is still, uh, uh, should I say, still has a hangover you know, of, of, of Brexit. And they, they still have that reliance or on the Eastern European market like Poland and all of that. So they're not looking beyond that yet. And hopefully we want to change that. Now, when you look at the Americans, the Americans have always been open. I think maybe because they are uh, traditionally more risk takers and the Europeans are more conservative. So the Americans are more open to exploring uh, talents from Africa. And this is also because most of the technology startups that are coming out of Africa are typically American companies. They are all Delaware uh, companies. And these VCs uh, typically invest in those Delaware companies. So it, it has opened the American eyes that, oh, hey, there's a lot of talent. And the, the, the American domicile companies are now looking beyond America to hire in Africa just because of that, you know, uh, amount of tech startups, you know, that are coming out of Africa, which are technically American companies. And you're not having that in Europe. You know, so you're not having a lot of tech startups in Africa who are HQ'd in, or on paper in, in Europe. So I think that's one of the reasons why. But what's, what does the future look like? Like you rightly said, uh, the population in Africa is growing and it's growing really fast. We have a situation where uh, the ages between 16 and 50 forms 75% of the population. And that's really, really huge. That's the work, uh, the, the working age is really, really huge. And in Africa, it's almost the norm to go to university. You know, you're seen as an illiterate if you don't go to university. It's quite different from Europe where it's more or less optional, you know. So in Africa, uh, and when you look at a country like Nigeria, the federal university, Nigeria is a federal state. So you have federal state and a, a, a local system. So the federal universities are way cheaper 
and they are the best universities. So they're not expensive. So anybody who passes the minimum of it can go to a university. So, and I, and I think that's why you have a high university, uh, uh, um, uh, churn, you know, churn out, you know, in Africa. But the fact that people went to university in, in Nigeria and Africa is not enough, especially in the tech space. So what we've seen in the last four years is, there's been a lot of interest in becoming a technical talent, the software engineers. But most of the software engineers that we have today actually learned from the streets. You know, they are self-taught because there has been no formal uh, uh, software engineering training in these locations. We are starting to see them now with the likes of companies like Decagon, Art School Africa, and uh, there's, there's quite a few of them who are now bringing formal training into the software engineering space so you will find a great engineer and, and we as a sisters company we, we, we experienced it as well you get a good engineer he can talk the talk he can do the work but he doesn't know the theory behind what he's doing he knows that if you add this and this together it makes this but he doesn't know why this and this will make this so and that's where the uh, uh, formal education is, is coming. And in the next 10 years, you're going to see super, super great software engineers from Africa. We're starting to see them, but we're not there yet, you know. But yes, Africa is, is in a position to solve the talent strategies in Europe and in America. And this is, is even much more broader than that. When you look at immigration, you know, you're seeing a lot of people risking their lives just to come to Europe for a better life. Now, imagine if you were in Africa and you earned, even if it was half what a software engineer earns in London. That is a lot of money locally, you know, and it will stop it. We, um, I had a conversation with uh, the, the personal assistant to one of the states in, in Nigeria, to the governor of one of the states in Nigeria. And that state in particular has a very high, uh, should I say, illegal immigration rate. It's a those state. Coincidentally, it's a state. It's my home state. And it has a really, really high illegal immigration. And what the government is doing there now, they are now training people. They set up this massive facility to train 20,000 software engineers over a 10-year period. You know, and especially the people who are at risk of illegal migration. That's people who are in abject poverty. And it's free, actually. They come there. They have a six-month course to so become a full-stack engineer. So these are some of the things. Yes, the government, I'll say the, the, the government in Africa has not really, really opened their eyes, you know, to this opportunity. But some are. Like the other day, the Kenyan government uh, made a coding mandatory in schools, you know, from primary to secondary level. So African governments are starting to see the opportunity that technology is what would take Africa out of poverty. And having bridging that gap for Europe and America about the skill shortage, you know, is just going to be uh, uh, the, 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 way, the way to go. So I don't know if I answered that question as much as you would like. <laughs> you, you did, Jimmy, and um, I, I agree with you. And I, for me, the democratization piece that you mentioned in your introduction is incredibly important to me. That ability to start to level up or begin the journey of leveling up workers in Africa, um, giving them really good salaries or the opportunity to 
earn really good salaries compared to the local level. It'll help bring up the local economy, Absolutely. put investment back into the local economy, create more jobs locally, even though those people are working remotely. And you're quite right, Jimmy, you know, if you can earn, you know, 150,000 as a dollars as a developer in, in Nigeria versus um, 300,000 in San Francisco, you're still going to level up, right? That's it. There's Absolutely. a significant, um, yeah, significant improvement to your ability to live and provide locally so for me personally i'm really passionate jimmy and when i came across good talent i was like my god this is flipping brilliant because it addresses so many pain points and challenges and and in my mind right some wrongs you know there's probably been an, a conscious and an unconscious bias when it comes to working with talent in africa right and africa. that's probably a historical hangover which you know of course is 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 not right in any way shape or form but it's it's brilliant that the platforms such as yours jimmy are are writing those wrongs number one you know addressing that conscious and unconscious bias correcting that conscious and unconscious bias but but more importantly or just as importantly you're allowing people to level up to access opportunity outside their home market that they not might not be able to get because you know, how many large IT companies are in Africa, right? I can't think of very many. How many outsourcing companies have invested in Africa? I can't think of very many. They're all in India, Poland, Slovakia, Slovenia, etc. And, and, and in some respects, it's understandable, right? Because there might be a perceived um, uh, bias that, you know, people speak more English over there, but it's, it's, it's probably completely incorrect that the infrastructure, exactly, <laughs> that the infrastructure isn't there. There's probably all these reasons that cannot be fully justified and are incorrect. So I think it's brilliant, Jimmy, what you're doing, that leveling up piece and, and righting some of those wrongs. So I, I'm incredibly excited for what you're doing. And I know there is other platforms out there, Jimmy, yeah. of course, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're seeking to do something, um, do something similar, I think. So, yeah. so uh, fair play. But you answered the question spot on, Jimmy. And this is your opportunity to answer. So, uh, you know, we're, we might not agree or disagree in, uh, in, on everything. But, Jimmy, I want, want to talk to you um, about this topic because I'm really interested in this space because for years people have been forecasting, including myself, oh. the demise of the traditional recruitment and oh, staffing yes. company, that the platforms will disintermediate them and really make them redundant, right? And, you know, I've been talking about this and forecasting this myself since 2013 when I was in uh, a talent marketplace, right? And, of course, the talent marketplace went wallop, right? And recruitment <laughs> companies still continue to grow. So so you're in that, that, that position that maybe I was some time ago, Jimmy, whereby you you've come from the bricks and mortar world of recruitment you've been very successful in it you've now got a, a talent platform which is, is technology and talent i suppose married together yeah. right so what is your take on this are platforms such as yours one piece of the puzzle or do they have the potential to disintermediate and replace the traditional recruitment company um I don't think so, and and that, that's my that's my opinion. I don't think um, the platforms will eliminate uh, uh, traditional recruitment companies. I, I still think there's a place for traditional recruitment companies. Where I see, I, I see, uh, should I say, synergy between platforms and traditional recruitment companies. Now, let me give you an example. You know, a platform like ours can be used by a recruitment company. You know, to refer talents to to you know, to, to, to companies as well. But broadly speaking, 
uh, I, I think uh, the, the traditional recruitment companies need to be open-minded as well because they also need to evolve and innovate. You know, now, talent marketplaces are seen as a tech company. And what they do, how do they get businesses they don't code call is more marketing-heavy, uh, email marketing-heavy, sales email-heavy, uh, while the traditional recruitment agencies pick up the phone and make 90-odd calls a day. You know, and what you will see will be a lot of the people in traditional agencies will flip to the talent marketplaces just because they don't want to make those cold calls and all of that. But that said, you can never, ever remove the human elements from the recruitment process. You can automate all you want. But at the end of the day, recruitment is a people business. Is a like I always say to my <laughs> to my friends, it's a flesh for cash business. At the end of the day, and what we're selling is human beings to companies, and we're pitching people to companies. And as much as uh, a platform will automate, there's there's at some point in the life cycle, a human being still needs to speak to another human being to make offer, or at least to have a feel of them. So what we are doing at Good Talent, we are shortening the process. So the process is not too low. So when you have a four-stage interview, you can reduce it to one or two-stage interview. So that initial quality assurance, the vetting process, you want to get uh, uh, as many people as possible, give them that opportunity to have access to that role and apply to that role. But you want to filter so that that company only interviews one, two, or three people, and they will hire out of that one, two, or three people. So that's the role of a talent marketplace. But for a traditional recruitment agency, I see them partnering with talent marketplaces in the long run. And I think as much as they're doing their business, because they will still need more business, right? You know, I need they have an opportunity to plug into a platform that they can use, you know. They, and also, I I noticed that, that there's a company who potentially is a competitor, but not doing the bounty thing that we're doing and not focus on Africa. Uh, I noticed that recruitment agencies are actually using the talent marketplace to source for talents. So where I see where I see uh, 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 where I see the sector that I see would diminish. Rather, will be the job boss, the traditional job boss, rather than the traditional recruitment agency. Because traditional recruitment agency still needs access to talents. And if I have 10,000 talents on my platform that they can interact with, not just CV, they will come to that platform rather than go into a job board where they are only interacting with a CV. Yeah, I think that's a great point on the job boards versus the marketplaces because I think what the marketplaces such as yours, and there's many others, of course, Jim, yeah. but I know you're focusing on Africa specifically. But the marketplaces, the good marketplaces, build that sense of community, that sense of engagement, that refer talent, right? That, that, that good Absolutely. talent piece that you mentioned, Jimmy, is crucial because you've got good talent yeah. referring other good talent, and you know, yes. but job boards are limited, right? You know, they, yeah. they don't really match in a way, right? You know, they send out the job, people apply. It's pretty old school. It can be effective if you, yeah. I, I guess, you want to get bulk candidates. But yeah. I think that's a critical point that you've made that I think actually the marketplaces could be almost like a utility right absolutely <laughs> you know, absolutely 
Yeah. But I mean that in the best way, right? Yeah. So you, you might, you know, when you turn on your electricity, well, probably before inflation, when you turn on your electricity <laughs> down in Swindon or London, Jimmy, wherever you are, right, in the UK, um, you don't really think about who your provider is, right? The of electricity course. goes on. Of course. You're pretty happy of with course. that. I think there's a, a potential role for the marketplace to become utilities like that. And you get your talent and your talent comes. You don't really care where it comes from. You pay your fee or whatever the commercial model is and you're good to go. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, job boards are, uh, they, 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 what job boards did to the newspapers, the talent marketplaces are potentially going to do that to job boards because job board is a one way uh, uh, system. Like you rightly said, post a job, someone comes and apply. But talents don't interact with each other. Talent don't tell each other that company is rubbish, you know. And what you see in marketplaces, they uh, uh, marketplaces that bring in talents to it's just like your your applicant tracking system. You have a huge pool of candidates; they're just there, but they don't even interact with each other. And you've probably got hundred thousand there, you know. With a talent marketplace, or at least for good talent, the talents can interact with each other. And, and that's a really critical factor because talents can tell people, oh, I interviewed that company. Here are some of the uh, 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 pointers just in case you're going for, you know, so it's, it's creating a community again, like you rightly said, and also creating that community for companies as well who can actually chat with these talents on traditional ATSs or job board. What you will typically get, a company does not chat with those talents. They only talk to them where there's a vacancy and that's where it ends. You know, and sometimes it can be uh, uh, annoyingly automated. <laughs> There's no human even talking to uh, uh, these candidates. But yes, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, talent marketplaces uh, potentially are the future. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, we're surprised to hear you say that, Jimmy. <laughs> 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 but uh, but I, I think you're on to something in, in in all seriousness. But Jimmy, what, want to touch on something that that does concern me and. Um, and it relates to automation and, oh, yeah. and jobs displacement. And if I could describe it in this way, there there was an economist called uh, Vasily Leontiev, and he wrote a, a thesis or a hypothesis uh, looking at horses, right? That, and this sounds quite bizarre, but he looked at the prevalence of horses for goods and mass transportation pre the advent of the, the combustion engine or automobile. And he yeah. looked specifically at New York before the advent of the car and the lorry yes. and the truck and whatnot. And essentially what he found was once the combustion engine became adopted, then horses became redundant and therefore horses were displaced and therefore there's no more horses. And his view that is that as automation continues in the workplace and the wider world is that humans will essentially become the, the horses, right? Pre-automobile. Um, and that sounds quite dystopian. I appreciate that, Jimmy, to you and probably to our listeners. But yeah. what, what's your take on automation? Is it a force for good? Um, or do you think it has some potential risk and challenge in, in relation to job creation or job displacement? Um, yes, certain roles will vanish. Certain jobs will vanish. But people will start to obscure. Now, as much as it's automation, there are people who build the automation. The automation does not build themselves. So people will find themselves in new disciplines. 15 years ago, you didn't have roles, or maybe 20 years ago, you didn't have roles like product marketing, product managers, data scientists. You know, you didn't have them. And so automation will create new roles. And people will need to upskill. 
when their job becomes obsolete. Unfortunately, some jobs will be obsolete. And what will happen? And the key drivers for this transition uh, into this this new roles will be organizations. Now, you see, uh, I can't remember the name of uh, of the, the company. It's also a talent marketplace, but it's an internal talent marketplace where uh, 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 people, employees, is for large companies where employees can actually upskill themselves to get another job within the organization. You know, so and and the, the key drivers are the organizations. You know, as an organization is automating, they need to also consider the people whose jobs are affected and so that they can upskill them to be relevant or at least give them a choice to upskill themselves to be relevant in the new kind of professions that are coming on board. Yeah, I like I like your view, uh, Jimmy. That that's a lot more rosier and and uh <laughs> positive than than the the one that I outlined and Jimmy you're really at the at the front face of what I would call HR technology I know you're a talent marketplace but you're a technology company serving the HR and and probably talent and procurement market and being at the front face of this do you feel that it's a bubble or 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 not how how you how you finding and what's your take on on the HR technology space at the moment yeah uh, I don't think it's a bubble uh, HR technology, uh, I think it's, is, is a case where it's really helping companies automate their process. So, uh, HR managers can actually focus on strategy rather than operations. So HR technology does the, the automation of HR technology does the mundane task, you know, so the human can do what humans do best, which is think rather than do things that they don't, they are not required to think about. I always say this, if something is repetitive, automate it. It's as simple as that. You know, let the robots do this. <laughs> let, let the AI do the work while humans in their capacity uh, think. But that said, um, I think uh, 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 HRO technology, we gradually, HR tech, we gradually become more comprehensive rather than standalone, right? When you look at the HR tech space, there are so many different facets you know, of, of HR technology. And in the recruitment technology space, or, or should I say the talent market, uh, uh, I'll call it HR tech slash talent marketplace. What we're starting to see, we're starting to see some of the big guys, the big companies harmonize the life cycle. Let me give you an example. Uh, last week, uh, a large company, uh, uh, HR tech company, remote.com, announced that they want to start uh, recruiting. They want to launch recruiting as a service. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to see the likes of Deal, uh, for instance, another similar to Remote.com. You know, they uh, uh, acquired a HRO uh, technology company. They want to harmonize it with, with, with their platform. And we are starting to see, you see why recruitment is critical. Even though you have a payroll platform, a global payroll platform, you are leaving money on the table because people are recruiting from elsewhere and onboarding on your platform. And those people you're recruiting with are asking their clients, Hey, why don't we do this for you rather than you going somewhere else to do it? So, so, so HR technology will, there will be a lot more that will come up. But in the longer term, I believe, uh, 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 the, the, at least this, the more savvy ones will harmonize the entire life cycle from, um, uh, sorry, from crowdsourcing or sourcing all the way to exit. And that's, that's, that's where the sweet spot will be. But I don't see HR technology going anywhere, not soon anyway. Uh, 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 I think it will even metamorphosize into Web3. You know, 
but we'll touch on that. Yes. <laughs> we'll touch on that uh, a bit later. But we, the technology will evolve. The the HR technology, maybe the the the, the, the medium, or should I say, the, the the platform which is being built on now, that's what probably going to evolve. Maybe to the blockchain. Uh, uh, you know, not necessarily on on on, on the standard uh, platform. So that, that that's why I see the evolving happen. But I don't think it's a bubble. I agree with your take, Jimmy. I think I think we'll see more consolidation in this space and some more integration in this space because Absolutely. if you think of the typical large enterprise, they've got an ATS system. They probably have a vendor management system for their extended or external contractor workforce. They'll have a workday or some sort of HRMS system. Yeah. They'll have an SAP system for procurement, procure to pay. They'll have Ariba. Yeah. Uh, they'll have Oracle. They'll have all these different things. So there's definitely a role to integrate this. They'll probably have a HR onboarding system, a wellness yeah. system, um, a reward system, <laughs> exactly. a recognition exactly. system. Exactly. So <laughs> integrations into talent marketplaces like yours and, and of course, many others, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a role for probably consolidation, yeah. integration. That, that single sign-on approach across oh, all yes. those and that look and yes, feel that, that each platform yeah. looks and feels the same as, as the others yes. and they're all talking to each exactly. other. I, I, de I definitely think that that's, that's going to occur. And I think, I think the pandemic hasn't been a flash in the pan when it comes to democratizing talent, access yeah. to talent, access to opportunity, leveling up remote work, uh, hybrid work. Yeah. All those things aren't going away, it, it, right? It's and changed. The, it's changed work forever. The pandemic. I I, I don't know. I, yes. I think there's just revolution about <laughs> since the pandemic, and a lot has happened. And again, let me quickly touch on, on some of the points you you mentioned. Uh, when you look, uh, say you look at the ATSs, the applicant tracking systems of 10, 15 years ago, they didn't have any integrations. But when you look at some of the applicant tracking systems, like Greenhouse, for instance, you can integrate other applications. So, and, and that's what's going to happen. Either a, a, a company builds, or maybe a, a talent marketplace like Good Talent builds, or we integrate with third parties so that our customers can have access to, it, to those third parties. You know, so yeah, that's what's going to happen. I agree, yeah. Jimmy. I, like I, talking about this topic and all the topics, I, I just find it incredibly exciting. Right? I, I mean, yeah. the whole shift and the speed of adoption the speed of movement, the speed of change, the speed of platforms like yours coming out and, and all the other platforms yeah. and technology companies that emerged yeah. over the last two years. It's incredibly exciting to be in our world of HR yeah. tech, HR capital, human capital. It's bloody brilliant, Jimmy. I, I love it, right? And I love what you guys are doing at uh, Good Talent, this leveling up and democratizing access to opportunity and sorry i didn't quite probably get that right but jimmy there's there's a question i want to finish with if we may and it's a question we ask all our guests mm. and um the question is it straightforward one uh but the answers aren't always i suppose but um the question is this jimmy what what is your vision for the future of work that that's a very interesting question i'm sure professors in universities are also trying to figure that out as well but uh in my view I see uh, the future of work, uh, um, uh, what's in store for it, there's going to be a breakdown of geographical barriers. You know, company, we're already starting to see it, uh, distributed teams. Companies don't care about where you live, how you work, you know. So you, 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 we're going to see that. We're also going to see more adoption in technology to automate work. Now, if you look at 
uh, Microsoft Teams, for instance, three years ago, <laughs> yeah, the, what the pandemic did, Zoom was the clear leader and they were poised and they had, they got a lot of market share and they forced Google Meet and Microsoft Teams to evolve so fast. And there will be a few more that will come up, you know, that will make a, 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 a technology adoption. So what the point I'm trying to make here, technology will be the greatest ally in the future of work. And there will be a lot of automations. There will be a lot of things that will make people who work use t- uh, uh, technology effectively. Another key area is the self-management. And what we used to see is a structured performance management from the HR uh, in June and potentially in December. You know, that's all going to go away. And you have your, your managers managing you. But again, it's changing with 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 remote work and distributed teams and what we're starting to see or what the future of work holds is people will have to manage themselves and it's going to be a, a lot more about output rather than how you did it so it will uh, uh, the nine to five will be relevant it would it would be a case of hey uh, uh, not necessarily nine to five should i say working hours yeah, standard working hours will be relevant. And we're starting to see contracts where companies say, hey, uh, you're expected to deliver these. You have no fixed working hours as long as you deliver this. You'll be appraised based on these uh, KPIs or, or KRAs. So I, I think those, 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 those are uh, um, uh, uh, the, 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 the key areas. Then the, this is a big one, or, or should I say the scary one, uh, is a Web3. Uh, Web three will play a big part in the future of work. You know, uh, you you see uh, 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 companies starting to pay salaries in cryptocurrency, in NFT, as tokens as well, uh, using tokens to pay salary. Yeah, and we are starting to see. Like the other day, we had a company who said they want to pay their subscription on our platform with cryptocurrency. I mean, we we have not integrated cryptocurrency on our platform yet. So we and all the the one to place their bounty, sorry, not their social, their bounty in cryptocurrency. We've not included, but it just makes you start thinking. But it's going to be a nightmare for the taxman. The taxman needs to evolve as well, because if I, as a company, I hold cryptocurrency, it's not showing in my books, or I, I have to be, I have to do a self declaration in all honesty, you know, to 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 reflect the fiat equivalent in my books. But I can also choose not to. And the taxman has missed out, you know. So, the, so imagine where companies start paying salaries in cryptocurrencies or NFT of tokens. How would anyone pay pay tax? <laughs> but it's 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 a really big thing that the, the, the taxman needs to start looking at because it will happen. And the adoption mm-hmm. rate, maybe the adoption rate is not as much as in Africa. We're starting to see uh, cryptocurrency being maybe because of the poverty level, but a yes. lot. The adoption rate is is growing really fast compared to uh, Europe or or the Americas. But companies are starting to pay. Like there's a company I'm not going to mention their name. I know they used to yes. be a client of ours. They pay their staff in cryptocurrency in Bitcoin. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> so we've, we've seen that. <laughs> we, we've seen that too, Jimmy. And I think you know, in my day job. We're obviously concerned about compliance and exactly. contractor risk and, and tax chain yeah. liability risk. So for me, 
it's it's an unknown frontier because of the lack of regulation, exactly. anti money laundering, yeah. know your clients, exactly. etc. Yeah, and the fact that it's outside. <laughs> the, the central bank. <laughs> the, the, whole, the whole point of it is the is the decentralize away from central banks. So for for me, I, I think I think that's a big risk that's coming down the tracks and and is. And I've, I've come across a couple of uh, companies that are saying, "Hey, listen, can you pay these guys in crypto?" We're like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably thinking, oh, my God, these guys are like Luddites. But, like, you know, you're right. It, it just creates a whole set of accounting and tax problems that, you know, you don't yes. want. No one wants, you know, the tax authorities <laughs> knocking on their door in places like Netherlands or Germany where, yeah. you know, they're aggressive and they're they're tooled up the same way as the police are. You know, they, they break down <laughs> your door and they'll raid your offices. So I think that that's something that, that one needs to be concerned about. But I agree with your, your general overview, Jimmy. I think I think the future is heading that way. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And um, I think platforms such as yours are well-placed to capitalize on the future work, yeah. Jimmy, and, and really level up and yeah. democratize access to opportunities so yeah another thing and sorry uh, sorry Connor, another thing i wanted to mention about the future of work as well which i didn't mention was uh uh you know the way we have smart contracts today what you're gonna have is smart employment contracts which will trigger in stages it could trigger every week every month you know based on certain tasks that the employee does you know based on certain output for them to be paid you know so again there are some preliminary conversations, you know, with some crypto uh, Ethereum specialists about that as well. We've even had a company who said to us, do we have smart implement contracts on our platform? Uh, obviously, we don't because we've not <laughs> implemented the blockchain on our platform. But yes, that's another thing in the future of work. People are not going to give paper contracts. It's going to be smart implement contracts. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Definitely agree with that, um, Jimmy. That is coming and it's here. So, Jimmy, listen, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation yeah. today. It's been great to get an insight into what Same you here. do and what your vision yeah. is and the problems and challenges that, that your platform's solving for. And, I, and I'm sure our audience will have enjoyed it um, equally so. So, Jimmy, where is the best place to find you and find your platform? What, where, what is your website and how can people best contact you, Jimmy? Okay. Uh, our website is goodtalent, one word, dot io. So, G-O-O-D-T-A-L-E-N-T dot io. And, 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 and that's the best way uh, to reach out. So we've got our contact details there. But we are HQ'd in Swindon, and, uh, but we are global. Wonderful. Well, Jimmy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Wishing you the best for your platform and all the great things that you're doing. And, and thanks for taking the time. I, I know you're a busy man. So thanks, thanks very much indeed, Jimmy. And have a, have a great weekend ahead. Thanks so much. Yeah, fantastic, Connor. Thank you very much for hosting me. I really appreciate it. 